How do you predict what new flavors will be trending when your forecast calls for homebound with a chance of COVID? Welcome to the Food for Thought podcast, a podcast where I, Aaron Hallstrom, take you behind the headlines of the food and beverage manufacturing industry. In this podcast episode, I talk to Dax Schaefer, corporate chef and director of culinary innovation for Azenzia. Join our fun and informative conversation about what 2021 has in store for formulation and flavor trends. Enjoy the episode and make sure you head to foodprocessing.com to see what else is in store for the food and beverage industry in 2021. Look online as we feature experts in food safety, plant safety, product development, and much, much more. Dax, welcome to the Food for Thought podcast. It is so great to have you on. Aaron, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to have the conversation and talk food. Yes, yes. I know even before we recorded, we started talking about our, you know, our, our, the pride that we have for the states that we're from. So we'll see if and where that might jump in or influence our episode today. Or maybe it won't. Um, you know what, actually? Why don't you tell me and our audience a little more about you and what you do for Ascendia. Oh, that's my favorite topic, actually. Um, so basically, I've been in food my whole life. My parents owned a restaurant when I was a kid, and I'd go to uh, work with my mom when I was like you know, five or six years old. I would do dishes. I would help her in the kitchen. Basically, I was in her way most of the time, but um, it was kind of her form of daycare. And uh, I've never had more than two jobs in my whole life that really didn't have to do anything with food. So, and those two jobs together maybe lasted six months. My real passion is just making food, following food trends, and understanding. I look at more of the food culture, and, uh, and really I'm a student of it. I just love doing it. Um, I've gone to two culinary schools. One is in uh, Milwaukee. It's just a regular technical school. And then the other one is uh, CIA in Hyde Park, New York. Uh, just an amazing school, and after leaving that one, I basically took away from that that I'm going to be a student my whole life of food. You know, if you ever get to a point you're like, I know everything there is about food, you probably are done and you need to leave the industry. It's an ever-evolving, ever-growing area, so many like challenges every day, and so many um, rewarding uh, little adventures in it. Uh, so I've been in manufacturing, after culinary school, I went, to, uh, the, went back into the restaurant world, did that for another 10 years or so, and then um, I broke into manufacturing. And I've been in manufacturing for about 19 years now. Started off as a product developer for a frozen pizza company, and I was their corporate chef slash um, R&D for about uh, 12 and a half years. And then I moved to Ascensia, and I've been here for the last six years. Um, at Ascensia, I am their corporate chef, and basically I'm director of culinary innovation, and I track transform. So Ascensia is a custom, you know, give you a little background on Ascensia so you kind of understand what my role is here and how I help them. Ascensia is a custom dry seasoning blend company. Uh, they make blends for anything from top, uh, topicals used like on a snack that you might buy at a grocery store. 
you know, like a chip with a seasoning on it, all the way up to the use of functional ingredients and in like an instant sauce that might thicken in a product as you cook it. Um, and we can do everything in between. So I could sit here for the next 20 minutes and tell you all the different capabilities that Sensia has, but to get to the point, if it has to do with seasoning food or helping to make it more, um, more consistent, we can definitely touch that and do it. We do a fantastic job. We work with small companies all the way up to some of the largest food companies in the world. And my role here at Sensia is kind of a value add. So they have me help uh, a lot of our customers or partners develop products. And I'm traveling around the country normally in a non-COVID year. <laughs> I think we've all been hit by that. Um, but normally I'm traveling around the country talking to our partners and uh, studying foods with every city I go to. And then I take those learnings and I um, analyze them and compare them to the trends that are, that are here and what's coming. And then my my role is then to take that and then go and help our, uh, our partners develop the, the next big thing. Okay. Um, you mentioned something about if anyone has, um, feels that they have learned everything there is to know about food to keep going. And I'm just going to throw this out there to anyone listening. If anyone believes they know, there's ev they know everything there is to know about food, they should contact me because I would love to have them on the podcast and amass a <laughs> lot of questions from all of the food scientists and all the people that I have met over my years with food processing. And we will just have a food trivia smackdown. But you know what? That's that's not our podcast today, although Food Trivia Smackdown just sounds like it could have its own life, and I'm kind of loving it right now. Okay. You have Food <laughs> Trivia Smackdown I want in. I think that would be well, fantastic. This is a non sequitur, but I was the creator, I am the creator on the food processing website of our, it was quarantine quiz uh, earlier this year, and then it was Fast Facts or Food Facts Trivia. So I am quite a trivia monger myself. I, in days of COVID, was the person who headed up the trivia team, the bar trivia team. I am quite the nerd when it comes to amassing random facts. And I, to pass the time and help give people a little moment of light and laughter and some education, created these little five-question quizzes in the food industry. So we may be on to something, and Dax will have to have you back on to be one of the food trivia smackdown. That would be but, fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm always good for the useless food facts, always. Yes, yes. We'll put that in the bio, too, as Dax Schaefer, random food fact trivia and potential future host of the, the, food, the food trivia smackdown. Okay. So. You know, Aaron, one thing to touch on before we, we branch off into that, um, when I said, you know, you can never stop learning, and it, you can learn from anywhere and anybody. Uh, through my travels yep. and all this, I have learned from little grandmothers that never went to school and, you know, just learned how to cook, and they've taught me so much about food. I mean, it's, you can learn from anybody if you're open to it. Oh, yeah. And I think that's so key. I think a lot of times, you know, we think, oh, I have to learn from this very, very specific expert. And it's like, no, I, you know, you can learn from anywhere. And even flavor profiles, you never would have thought 
like, well, yeah, you know, so-and-so's aunt or grandmother or uncle has cooked something a certain way and, you know, just the complex flavors that have come out of it. Um, yeah, it's so important to always be learning and always keep learning. So to the point of your travels and your role as the um, executive chef, you most certainly have the scoop on flavor trends. Do you care to give our listeners a little bit of forecasting intel for what's trending for 2021? Yeah, you know, that is one of the most interesting questions I've had in probably the last 15, 20 years. You know, normally with trends, you can trends are called trends for a reason. I mean, you can see them coming. And if you honestly look back, you can see the, the traits coming through that would indicators that saying, hey, this is going to be popular coming forward. And normally, you know, you can watch uh, restaurants and the higher-end restaurants and the QSRs as to what they're starting to talk about and what they're starting to use for ingredients. Um, in, in 2020, with COVID coming and the way it hit, uh, that's kind of gone out the window a little bit. So what I mean is it's putting the, or watching trends is a little bit like putting together a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. And, you know, you, can, you don't have to wait till piece 900, 900 or 999 to figure out you're putting together a puzzle of a, a sailboat. You know, right around piece 150, you're like, okay, a lot of water, I see some sails in here, the sun, okay, I know I'm putting together a picture of a sailboat. That's a lot like trend work. You know, and a lot of it, there's a bunch of pieces. One of them is watching restaurants. One of them is doing the data research. Um, and then a lot of it's going out there and trying the food, right? But because of this last year, we've had to change a lot of the ways we've been doing this. So what, what I see coming for 2021 is not so much based on what I'm seeing happening, but more of a gut instinct. And you look at 2020, and a lot of us are concerned about numerous things. But when we start to talk about food, we're, we're concerned about our health, we're concerned about staying healthy, we're concerned about our well-being. So what I really see coming in 2021 is an increased focus on um, foods that are functional, right? Now, and again, as a, disqual- or a disclaimer there, all food is functional, right? Proteins are building blocks for our bodies. Um, carbohydrates are, are energy. So they're all functional. But we're going to start looking at things that are high in certain vitamins, like B, you know, vitamin, uh, B vitamins. And we'll say, okay, these foods are really good for you because it's going to give you energy or it's going to give you this. And so people are going to start looking for functional foods um, to help them, you know, keep their immunity up, to help them stay a little healthy. They're going to look for that quick return. The younger generations are going to look for the quick return, something that's going to help them out now. The older generations are going to look for a little further ahead, something that may help them out, um, you know, with their clear thinking or maybe cardiovascular health, that type of stuff. So what I see in 2021 is really kind of a, a continued growth in that area. And then I'm also going to see a little bit of us, you know, Traveling has stopped, and we haven't been able to get out and, and enjoy the way we used to. And I don't see that really, really changing too much for the next few months. And in, into 2021, I think travel is still going to be limited. That's all speculation. No one knows for sure. But we're, we're, we miss these experiences, and we kind of want to get back to some normalcy. So I see us wanting to travel through our food. And whether that's remembering a, a trip you were on and eating, like, you know, hey, when I went to Thailand, I had curries, so now you want to eat curries to remember it. Or whether you say, hey, I'd love to go to Thailand, so I want to eat some of the foods from there, can it make me have my adventure through my meal? 
I see that happening even more. And that's been a huge trend already. But um, you're going to have to tie that with something that they feel a little bit comfortable with. You know, like, it's going to have to be a safe exploration for a lot of people just because of everything that's happened in 2020. Right. I know, for me, I went to Italy about 20, 25 years ago and had, for the first time, Pizza Margarita. And I swear every country, every restaurant, every place I've been to since, if they have a wood-fired uh, pizza margarita, I am trying it because I keep trying to go back to that, you know, authentic Italian, that perfect marriage of basil and tomato and mo- uh, the mozzarella. And uh, I just, yeah, kind of invoking that memory of yeah. what it's tasted like. And, you know, that's that kind of pizza is three or four simple ingredients. Um, and I get to your point, like the travel, I can think of other places I've visited trying to recreate those flavors in my not very chef-specific um, <laughs> chef uh, small apartment kitchen. And it, it has been interesting to, you know, see friends, family who I know have been big travelers who would like, okay, I loved that taste. How do I recreate it since I can't go back to, well, can't for a while, go somewhere. Um, what? Well, what you just described is, to me, Erin, is what I call food memories, right? Yes. So sometimes we eat something and it's like it brings us back to being a kid, what like our mom used to make, you know, um, you know, this special type of chili or um, you eating that margarita pizza that you had when you were in, in uh, Naples or Rome. You know, it's like it makes you, it takes you back to that. You're traveling through your food. That's a great mm-hmm. example of what I yeah. think is going to start happening again this year. People will look to connect with their with their travels, with their past, through their food, even more than they have previously. Yeah, so, uh, and, and maybe, sorry, go ahead. So I, I think that that could, that could expand beyond where you have been to where you want to go as well. I like that. I really like, yeah, where you have been to where you want to go. On on that, from your vantage point, even though we've kind of been, to paraphrase the song that became popular this year, bored in the house, bored in the house, bored, um, Mm. (laughs) from your vantage point, what flavors have really stood out to you from, uh, stood out to you these days, at least from what you're seeing and what you're hearing this year? So you're, you're talking 2020, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. So, uh, I mean, as my job, like I said, is I track trends, watch trends, and, and I'm, always, I'm always looking for the new thing, always trying to pop up and, and um, explore that and make sure I'm like five years ahead of what's coming for most people. I'm trying things you've never, you know, you haven't heard of yet, right? Um, What's happened in 2020 makes complete and utter sense is we've gone back to comfort foods. So mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what I'm normally going out there to do is happening. People are kind of res- resorting back to feeling good, maybe eating things that are high in calories, um, but things that they remember and they can control a little bit. Um, so that's why you saw this huge spike in frozen pizzas or pizza places and burgers and home cooking and the fast foods. Um, 
you saw this big spike in that, and it, they got less adventurous in 2020 for good reason, right? So um, new flavors that I've seen, in, or the flavors I saw in 2020, are really the basic ones like mac and cheese, pizzas, um, burgers, that type of stuff. What I see happening is probably what we call safe exploration. So those foods that we're very comfortable with are there and we went to for a reason. Now when we start to branch out in 2021 with still some uncertainty, we're going to probably look to take those ones that we feel very comfortable with and add a flavor twist onto them. You know, like maybe a burger might become authentic Mexican. So they might throw like a country dip a bill in with the meat and get that flavor profile. So you get a country dip a bill burger with pickled onions, um, uh, habanero crema, and cilantro. And so they'll take something that you fully understand and twist it and tie it into something that maybe makes you feel a bit more comfortable or comfortable to try it. Right. Well, I will say, of all the comfort foods that a lot of people dug into, I would imagine the state of Illinois and the Dairy Council probably appreciates all the cheese that people have found comforting. Um, <laughs> all the cheese and that. beer from Wisconsin. All the cheese and beer. Um, yes. <laughs> had, had, to, had to throw that uh, little bit of Wisconsin... Uh, <laughs> A little bit of Wisconsin love, which is hard for me as an Illinoisan to do, but I digress. Um, so, um, you know, you talked about the comfort foods, and we talked about 2020 and COVID and the experiences. Where do you draw your inspiration from, uh, from the flavor profiles that you help craft? That is a fantastic question. So um, you heard me talk a little earlier, you know, like it's a giant jigsaw puzzle to me. And, you know, you're putting the pieces together, and you may talk to some people in the industry, and they'll say, oh, I'll go to Technomics, I get my information here, or I go to Mintel. And a lot of times inside of our industry, the manufacturing industry, when people come and talk about trends, they will show us, I call them eye charts. They'll just constantly show data after data after data after data from the same source. Um, so I really... I, I don't want to use the word struggle because that's not the right word, but I strive to make sure I'm pulling information from multiple sources. Because if I like, let's say I do use Mintel, so let's say I just use Mintel to go and show some company that um, carnitas are going to be huge, right? Well, Mintel might be missing the mark because they're only watching certain restaurants. So I feel like I have to look at multiple sources. I'm constantly tracking social media. I've got a few sources in social media that I look for and see what words are trending, what, what hashtags are popping up. Um, I do scour the Internet for um, Google Trends and see what people are looking and what they're searching for and if there's an interest or a uh, spiked interest in a certain area. Um, I'm constantly going, in a normal year, I'm constantly going to uh, conventions and seeing what people are talking about, what they're showing, and seeing are a lot of people showing functional foods or a lot of people showing, you know, uh, fat replacements, or what are people talking about, because that's going to promote the next trend for retail or even for um, food service. And then um, I'm constantly reading periodicals. So there's my industry periodicals, which get a little bit more in-depth and can be, quite frankly, at times a little bit dry. Um, and then you have the uh, the consumer ones, like, you know, the Food Network magazines, the Bon Appetit, the Saviors, and those are what our consumers are reading and kind of getting their interest peaked with. 
And then finally, um, I combine all of that, but finally I take what I'm finding from, you know, the, the data, the Internet, the um, social media, and the magazines and the conventions, and I go put it into practice when I go travel the country, and I'll, I'll eat street food at every city I go to. Sometimes I'll go to a city and I will literally eat at uh, 12 restaurants in a single day. Ooh. And that seems kind of crazy, but I'm going to each restaurant. I've picked each restaurant for a specific purpose. I'll go there, I'll order one or two dishes, I'll have a few bites. Usually I'll have everything packaged up and I'll like give it to somebody who's on the streets. Afterwards, I'm not yeah. wasting the food. But um, it's my way of actually seeing how it's put into practice. And I don't and I hate to say this, I'm not trying to knock the chains. They, they really serve a purpose in this country, but I avoid chains at all costs when I'm traveling because for, in order for me to learn what's really happening out there, I need to see what's happening at the little places, right, the little mom-and-pop places that showcase the regionality of, of an area or of a city. So right. I brought my inspiration from going out and combining all of these together, but specifically it's kind of where I think our strong point is, has been actually putting our feet on the ground and trying this at street level and say, okay, look, you know, all this data is saying that sambal is an incredibly popular hot sauce and we're seeing it here, here, and here, but we're, they're not calling it out, you know. So it's, we're able to kind of tie things together for people and give them a, a street level perspective of what's happening. Right. Now this last right. year has been challenging with that. <laughs> we're not able to go out. A lot of the restaurants have been shuttered or, you know, reduced to curbside. Um, travel is non-existent. You know, even for me, I used to travel like 30 to 40% of the time for, for work. And um, now, basically, I'm, I've kind of transferred a little bit of that to social media. So I'm watching what people are talking about, watching what people are making, um, and kind of learning to shift my attention that way. I still have the data. I still have, you know, the, the magazines and everything, but I've lost that integral part of how people are really using it on the street level. So kind of a, a little bit more of the shift I said to um, social media for this year. And, and hopefully in 2021 or 2022, we'll have a new normal, um, you know, and we'll probably get back a little bit to travel. It just won't be as much. And I'll be able to in, incorporate that uh, street level trends again. Okay. Did I answer that for you, Aaron? Did I do an okay job? I'd like to win. Yeah, you, you, you did. Uh, you made me want to go out. And you made me want to go out with a food expert to street food vendor and just, you know, it's one thing when you're like the lay person who reports on the food industry. It's another thing when you're hearing someone describe it like, oh, you're one of the people that I'd love to go out to the <laughs> when you go to street food, like, you're one of those people who knows how to order. It's like going out with a uh, food critic. Um, it's it's it, kind it's of funny because people ask, me, oh, what's your favorite restaurant when you go to this city? And I might name like a local fast food chain in Portland, you know, or um, a food cart. Like actually my favorite yeah. place to go yeah. in Portland was this little tiny food cart called uh, Artigiano's. And it is mm -hmm. tiny. And it does only Italian food. And they have like six or eight tables, they sit you down and it's table service. And you don't get to order off the menu, you get to pick how much you want to spend. So you're yeah. like, oh, I'll spend $35. And they just keep bringing you little dishes until they think you're done. And it was yeah. amazing, right? And that's not for a normal person to say, hey, my favorite place to eat in this city is a food truck. <laughs> yeah, no, I... 
Yeah, I hear you. Um, talking to you today has made me realize how much of a memory invoker I am with some of my favorite food experiences because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking back to the first time I went to Oahu and when I had gone back since, one of my favorite places to eat was just like a shrimp. It's like a shrimp truck on the North Shore. It was, you know, yeah. right after I had just surfed the North, you know, the little bit of the pipe. I, surf, I used surf very loosely because I fell down. But, hey, I surfed the pipeline on the you North Shore. You got up on the board. Uh, I got I got to I got to check it off. Um, but then having just shrimp out of you know a shrimp truck to me that was the best food that I had on all of Oahu and um, yeah just yeah our conversations make me realize how much of a yeah. memory focused and food experience. I think a lot of people are food focused or have food focused memories. If you ate a shrimp that reminded you of that today, you'd almost feel like you're back there, right? Yeah, It'd give you that yeah. euphoria for like. Yeah. It briefly, you know, maybe five, ten minutes, but it makes you feel awesome again, you know, or your memories of where you were. Food is really powerful. It truly is. It, I mean, it's an honor just to work in this industry and be able to feed people and, and help them um, remember and grow and explore the world through my eyes. Right. I mean, I, I can't tell you how fortunate I feel to be doing this sometimes. Right. Makes me think before it gets really cold here in the Midwest, I might need to find a friend to throw some water on me while I eat shrimp. Maybe I can recreate that <laughs> before uh, before winter officially hits the Midwest. Um, uh, we've talked a lot, but not really, <laughs> about COVID. Um, I think every podcast episode I have recorded since we started, I have talked to each interviewee about COVID and its impact. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to have a little bit of COVID conversation here. What is the top concern you're hearing from processors right now as it relates to COVID-19? You know, um, it's, it's funny you say that, that, you know, you've talked to everybody about COVID in your past uh, few podcasts, and, and it's just a, a reality Right now, it's ruling our life, um, and I think we all want to kind of get past it and go back to a new norm or get to a new norm and feel a little bit better about it and move on. That said, what we've been experiencing with the COVID-19 and, like, inside of Senzia's walls here, what we're seeing is a lot of companies are asking us to help them focus on cost reduction strategies. You know, they're using this time because really a lot of um, retailers aren't launching new products at this point. They had products ready to go but they didn't get launched because of um, you know, COVID. So now they have, I don't want to say downtime, but they have found time, right? Normally when you work in R&D, you're busy and you never get to those, those tasks that have teeth, like you know, cost reduction, and they're not as sexy, but you never quite get to them because you're always working on what's next. So a lot of people have kind of turned their attention to how can we take what we've already done, either improve it, or improve it by um, making it taste the same and keeping the cost steady. Because as COVID comes out, a lot of costs on things are going to go up. You know, I mean, it's just it's, it's the way the world, costs of building materials are going up, costs of ingredients are going to go up. So how can people kind of get ahead of that and help sustain that so it's not so impactful to the consumer? We've worked a lot with our uh, partners to help reduce costs for them or to help keep them steady. 
you know, we do that through um, using different ingredients or using what we have an ingredient called supercats. I think I mentioned to you we have functional ingredients. And then another area we saw a lot of people asking about and talking about with COVID is um, the, the virtual growth. So maybe it wasn't necessarily through flavor profiles, but, you know, I used to travel over the country, and it wasn't just to try food. A lot of it was to go and talk to our partners, our customers, about, hey, what's coming up, what you should be paying attention to. And uh, we didn't stop that. We didn't stop talking to them. We just stopped traveling. So a lot of what we've done here is, is gone remote. Hope that answers right. the question. Oh, it, it, it definitely did. It definitely did. Um, all the talking about food has made me hungry now. Um, oh, what are you going to have for lunch? I, I, I don't out? know. I, you I, go get I, some I don't shrimp? know. Um, I, you know, I don't know that I can. I have a, a busy afternoon, and I don't know that there's any street food around me right now. Well, not easily available, so I am in quite the uh, conundrum at the moment. But, um, no, this nice has been bird. so – yeah, it has been so great to talk to you and to steal away a little bit of this, you know, this time and not only to learn about the trends and speak to the comfort food and how COVID has impacted everything. I mean, I think we know in a lot of ways that like the supply chain has been disrupted and the labor force has been disrupted with COVID and so many other things, but even just the traveling or lack thereof and most of the domino effect of not being able to travel as much and what that may you know, the impact that it may have and how it may, you know, affect trends for the foreseeable future. Um, and I really appreciate it too when you're talking about, you know, using social media. That's something I admit. Um, I, I've been doing, I have been reporting for and been on the food processing team for 12 years. And I'm the, I, I branded myself, I'm the digital doyen. So I'm all things digital for food processing and I use social media all the time. That's how I track the trends of things going on and it's refreshing to hear that more often, especially with COVID, how much social media is being used, you know, to find those trends, to see those trends, um, to in some places, you know, reach out to consumers to find out what consumers are hungry for not just food, but flavors and ideas. So it's very refreshing. Um, thank you so much, Dax, for sitting down with me. Is there anything you want to plug or promote before we sign off today? Well, first of all, Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time, and thank your audience uh, for spending time with us. I know that uh, it, it means a lot to be able to, to communicate what we do and talk to people about it and love doing it. Um, and I guess if you're asking if I want to plug anything, obviously I work at Senzia, and we would be happy to help you out with anything. You can get my expertise on the trend forefront, but first and foremost, they are an unbelievable company. I've been working in manufacturing for 20 years, and they are truly a world-class uh, company. They, they take care of their employees, um, and they are so focused on making sure that they take care of their partners that um, they're a great company to work for and an even better company to work with. Yeah, and they will. Um, I'll have a link um, uh, in the show notes as well. So if anyone wants to um, explore more, they definitely can. 
thank you so much, Dax, for joining me today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our conversation and to our podcast episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you. You have a great day.